Amen. Amen. All right, y'all, okay, I have to give you the disclaimer. When I say amen, you should say amen. Amen. Do we need to turn the lights on? Please, turn the lights on so I can see your beautiful faces. Uh, is, that, is that okay? We can turn the lights on? Yeah. No? No, didn't pay the light bill. So, so we need to raise an offering right now um, and get SRP or APS on the phone. It's... All right. So anyway, I'm excited to be here, and um, I don't think you mentioned Sean, but I'm so excited that I can preach here instead of Sean today. Uh, we, we have a great rival going on. I love my brother, and we have, a, we have an ambivalent relationship. So uh, he said he was praying for me this morning, but I didn't believe him. Um, so no, but he's, he's a good guy. He's, I really enjoy the relationship I have with Sean and Frank and Tyler and all the guys. So I'm excited to be preaching here today, and I want you all not to be quiet like you normally are. Um, I know this is very, you know, somber and quiet, but if you feel led to say amen, you can, okay? I will give you that liberty, and if you feel led to even say hallelujah, you can do that as well. I know you're scared and nervous, Um, but guess what? You get so excited at the football game. And when we talk about Jesus, we should have more excitement than we do for anybody that's running across the field with a pigskin. Amen? All right. Romans 15, verse 1 through 7. I'm fortunate to preach that, but I have some questions that I want you all to ponder and pontificate on today. Romans 15, 1 through 7. How strong are you? How strong do you think you are? My, my baby girl, uh, she, when I used to do P90X, she used to be my workout partner. And she says, Daddy, I'm strong. Look at my muscles. And she flexes her muscles, and she is really strong. She can do push-ups, like not girl push-ups, and she's only seven years old. And she may do one or two reps from the workouts, but she is strong for her age. But how strong are you? How strong are you physically? How strong are you spiritually? How strong are you financially? How strong are you mentally, emotionally, academically? The most important thing we do want to focus on today is spiritually. Now, in the last couple of weeks, Romans 14, you guys have been through. 1 through 12 says this, that don't judge others. 14 begins with the weak. Verse uh, chapter 15 begins with the strong. So it's this wonderful contrast of the weak and the strong. So that's why I ask you, how strong are you? Because one of the biggest things in, in, in church or the hardest things in church is for us to be honest about how strong we truly are. And it's okay, especially in the body of Christ, to be honest, because we're supposed to confess our sins to one another and bear one another's burdens, but just be, understand and reevaluate for yourself how strong are you. Verse 14, like I said, chapter 14 says, don't judge others. Don't judge others when they're weak. They're weak in the faith. Then 13 through 23, these verses in chapter 14 says, don't cause someone else to stumble. There's a key verse in 19. It says for us to build up these people that are weak. So what do the strong do? The strong strengthen each other. The strong strengthen the weak. So how strong are you? Verse 1a says, we who are strong, we who are strong. Paul identifies with 
um, himself with the morally strong. Do you identify yourself as a morally strong person or do you identify yourself as a weak person? Paul, remember, he says, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, he also said in 2 Corinthians 13, 9, for we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. It's this great contrast between being weak and strong. But yet in this text, in verse 15, verse 1a, he says, we who are strong. It indicates a collective strength. It's not just Frank's job and Sean Meyer's job and all the elders to be strong. The reality is Christians should be strong. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for people with titles and positions in the church. We all should be strong because the church is not an orphanage, but it's a family. It takes a village to raise a child. It doesn't take just a select few of people to help strengthen the weak people in the church. It takes a plethora of people. Now, this may be funny to you, but I was in the gym a few months ago, and this guy was trying to bench press. And you know how you go to the gym. You get impressive. You have your camera out. You're taking selfies at the gym. You're, why? You're supposed to be there to work out. So I've taken two selfies, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I've done it. You just get tempted to feel yourself in that moment. But this guy wasn't getting a good pump. And I don't know if you ever have seen the fail videos of people bench pressing and it's too much weight and they thought they were stronger than they were and they're, they're, they're crippled by this weight. And so this guy's trying to bench and I'm like, oh God, he's suffering. And I didn't want to embarrass him, but I went over there and I just grabbed the bar for him and it really wasn't a lot of weight. And I was like, oh, and I put it back on the rack for him and he didn't say thank you. He was mad, but I'm like, but you're weak, dude. Like, you're about to embarrass yourself. There's girls in here, man. I'm just trying to help you out and not be on Vine or Facebook in one of those fail videos. And so I helped him because he was weak and I was a little bit stronger than he was. Now, I'm not saying I'm the strongest person in the world, but when I go to bench, I need somebody to help spot me especially when I'm maxing out. But when it comes to Christianity, we are supposed to be the spotters when we see people struggling with their weight. That's somebody from my church. So I know, I know, I know where that was from. So the challenge for us, listen, the challenge for us is we assume people are strong in the faith because they attend church services regularly. We assume people are strong because they've been in church for so long or they, they volunteer on staff and, and, and the, we assume that they are strong. But today, I don't want you to assume if you're strong. I want you to really examine yourself. If you can say like Paul, we who are strong, but you may be like in chapter 14, you may be weak in the faith. And guess what? That's okay. Because I was once weak in the faith. We all were once weak in the faith because we're learning and we're being discipled and we're understanding the word of God so we don't have to stay there. But the challenge for us is never to look and say, because we're in church and we've been here so long, that makes you strong. Church attendance alone does not make you strong. Strength comes from us attending to our relationship with Jesus and the needs of others. Strength comes from us attending to our relationship with Jesus, not just attending church, but attending to our relationship with Jesus and the relationships with others. So how do I know if I'm strong? 
How do we know if we are strong? Verse 1b says, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. How do you know if you're strong? Because you have an obligation to see people when they're weak and you bear their burdens. That's an indication that you're a strong Christian, that you're in this collective group of strong, mature Christians, spiritual Christians, who understand that when they see somebody fall, it is your obligation to go meet their needs. Have you ever prayed to be obligated to bear somebody's burdens? Have you ever prayed, God, help me to be obligated to bear the burdens of people that I see that are weak? Have you prayed that? Have you prayed that? Because Jesus was obligated by the will of the Father to come and meet our needs and bear our sin. And and these failings of the weak mean infirmities or weakness, just lack of maturity. And it's not to please ourselves. The text says not to please ourselves. It's not for us to have a self-righteous attitude that we are captain, save a soul. Y'all, y'all act like y'all been saved all your life. You know what I could have said. And we don't pop our collar to say, ha, I helped that weak person today. Look at me, Jesus. That is not why we do it. We don't do it to please ourselves. We do it because it's our obligation as a Christian brother and sister to meet the needs and bear the load of each people's burdens. That's our spiritual obligation. So here's a point for you. We are obligated to be involved in people's lives when they fall down. We are obligated to be involved in people's lives when they fall down. Look at Galatians 6 for me. If you have your Bibles or your phone apps, it says, Brethren, even if, uh, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, spiritual here means mature Christians, you mature spiritual Christians, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So that means the strong can also become weak. Hello, somebody. The strong, you who are strong, can still become weak because, Frank said it, we continue to sin every day. And so you who are strong, you got to be mindful that you are not tempted as well. Verse 2 says in Galatians, bear one one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have Reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to one another. For each one must, each one will bear his own load. And I want to show you a video of what bearing and what the strong look like when they strengthen this elephant video right here. So here are these three strong elephants who rush to the side of this baby elephant who fell down. We could learn something in the kingdom from the animal kingdom. 
that they would rush, these strong elephants would rush to someone, the, I mean the, the elephant who fell down in his weakness, and instead of saying, ha ha, look at you, they helped and walked alongside of him until he was covered. They surrounded him, and that's what the gospel looks like when it's unfolded and lived out, that we who are strong, when people fall down, we go alongside of them who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness, and walk with them because discipleship is walking with somebody from infancy to maturity. Amen. And so, so that's what bearing one another's burdens look like. When they fall down, we help them get back up. Remember that uh, uh, I've fallen and I can't get up? <laughs> Remember that thing? What was that, life alert or something like that? Yeah, that's what we are as Christians. We're supposed to, when somebody says, I'm falling and I can't get up, we say, how can I bear your burdens? I'm obligated to bear your burdens. These elephants, sometimes we don't think of elephants uh, as small little baby elephants. We think of these strong, humongous beings that are just so powerful, but they need help too when they're in infancy. And so when people are falling, the strong strengthen them. We go and lift them up. So how strong are you? How strong are you? Verse 2 says this, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, not our good, for his good, to build him up. Just like Romans 14, 19 says, we can't be self-centered Christians. We have to be serve-centered Christians. We can't be self-centered Christians. We have to be serve-centered Christians that we, we build them up, not for we, us to feel good. We build them up for their good. So they can never say in life, when I was down, nobody came and was the good Samaritan to me. When I was down, nobody came to lift me up. The body of Christ responds when somebody falls. The problem is we only respond to people who we like or we prefer. But we have to start responding to people because the Bible says we are obligated to bear their burdens. We have an obligation. We have an, a debt. We have something that we owe our fellow Christian brothers and sisters to lift them up when they are down for their good. And we should be concerned about the spiritual health of others. This is the thing. You can't sit there and call out sin and not do anything about it. You can't talk about people's weaknesses and not Lift them up because God will hold you accountable for the things that you discern and you see because he wants you to act on it. Uh, Ricardo said that, that Christianity is received passively, but it's not lived. At, uh, it's, it's received passively, but we live it actively. And we should live actively in ways that we are observing and seeing to lift people up. Remember, Jesus was a carpenter. Carpenters build things. They construct things. And, and we have to get into, get our hands dirty and put those Home Depot aprons on and walk around and start building people up. Children, younger people, Bob the Builder. <laughs> well, that's who we're supposed to be. See, we, we forget sometimes, I like using kid analogies because we so grown in the church and act like we have it all together. And we still need building ourselves. 
And if Jesus is continuing this restoration project, we have to know that he is soliciting our help to build his kingdom and bring restoration. And the restoration is a beautiful project that will happen until kingdom comes. And so we're involved in that beautiful restoration project of the kingdom. But it's not in buildings and it's not in structures. It's in people that need Jesus. We are building people. Instead of building buildings, how strong are you? How strong are you? And now here's a question. Are you currently building someone up right now? Are you currently building someone right now? For their good, not your good. Verse 3 says this. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. Jesus, his goal was to do the will of his father. These reproaches in Psalm 69 points to the righteous, suffering Savior who we have. He's the ultimate righteous sufferer. And these reproaches, all these things, these, 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 the bearing, the load, the sin, the insults about God fell on him. Because he's the only one who could bear all of those reproaches. And he took them, that's right, he took them for us. And so they fell on him, and, 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 and at the cross, they fell on him. And Dr. Matt King Carter said that the, the cross is where God became the weakest to defeat the devil. The cross is where God relinquished all his strength to make us strong. The cross is where he became the weakest. He used the weak things of this world to, to confound the wise. He used the, this baby who came in a manger to defeat the evil in this world and, oh, and win victory over sin and death. He used ways that man wouldn't have thought, and God won the victory for us. And so the reproaches fell on this innocent Savior, this matchless precious Savior called Jesus. He was sent to bear our burdens and our sins when we were dead, when we were weak in our infirmities. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The Bible also says in, in Isaiah 53, where this passage comes from, that it was God's pleasure to crush his son. Think about that. Would you crush your child like that? Would you take all your mistakes and all your failures and the failures of just your family alone and put them on your baby? that will grow up and eventually become a man and put that on them to crush them so that your family could be saved. Would you do that? But God did it. God did it because he didn't want us to feel that wrath. He knew that only the back of the Son of God could withhold and, and withstand the bearing of that weight of sin and the wrath of God. Only the back of God could bear the weight of God's wrath. The animals and the sacrifices were not sufficient anymore. They would have been obliterated by taking that much sin on their bones. But God and his back, Jesus, his son, could take it and bear that sin. And he came to do the will of his father, not to please himself, but to please his father. So verse 4 says this, 
For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The scriptures serve to give believers endurance when we're going through these things and encouragement that we might keep having hope. So we look at people of the Old Testament and look how they live their lives, not for themselves, but for the will of God. We look at people nowadays and look how they live their lives, not for themselves, but for others. And that is our example that we don't live a, a Christianity that, and we don't look to the Bible as, as a self-help book. But the Bible is our source of authority, not for self-help, but for we help. We help each other, not self-help. And this consumerism that has clouded Christianity, we have to start living the example of, of the kingdom culture and not this culture. We have to start shining the light of the glory of God and say, we're different. We're called to help you. No matter what you look like, smell like, feel like, operate like, you are my brother and my sister and I'm obligated to build you up. What kind of church would we be? if we actually did what the Bible said? What kind of church would we be if we actually looked at our brothers and sisters like equals and not less than because we're weak or the FICO score is different or the color of their skin is different? What kind of church would we be? We would be the church that Jesus died for, not the black church, not the white church, not the reformed church, not the Baptist church. We would be the church of the living God. And the world would say, I want to be a part of that because I see something different, that they're not self-centered, but they're serve-centered. They're not about self-help. They're about we help. Verse 5 says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grants you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God. Say one voice. One voice. Say it real strong. One voice. one voice. All right. One voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus. One another. We should all think the same way about each other to glorify Jesus. I'm going to tell you, there's weakness in your life if you don't look at people the same way. If your eyes prefer other people over others, you, there's weakness in your life. We have to look at everybody the same way, one another. We all need the same graces. Everybody needs the grace, right? We all need it. And, and like, like Drumline, anybody seen Drumline? All right. Uh, that was like that at the last service. One band. One band, my church, one band, one sound. With one voice, we would glorify God. So when they see the church, they would say, what must I do to be saved? I see a church loving black, white, brown, red, yellow. I see them loving the poor, the rich, the healthy, the unhealthy. I see something different that the church has been realized. And Dr. King wouldn't have to say that Sunday is still the most segregated day. They would see us loving one another, and instead of us persuading them and asking them to be saved, they would look at us and say, I want to be saved, because there's a family there that's for me, and I know they will help me grow in Jesus. And that's what the church is supposed to do. We don't look at them and say, look at those weak ones over there, because guess what? We once were those weak ones, but Jesus 
came for us. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners to bring them to repentance. People who are sick need a physician. I didn't come for the well. I came for the weak. And if Jesus came for the weak, we have to use that one voice. Because the ultimate goal of the church is to glorify Jesus. And it happens through a collective effort of people loving, caring, serving, and bearing with one another. Verse 7 says this. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The goal of our interpersonal relationships among Christians is a unified glorifying of God. We never stop welcoming, welcoming one another and accepting one another. Why? Because Christ has welcomed us just as we were without one plea. He welcomed us. When we were a wretch undone, he welcomed us. He said, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He became poor that we would become rich. This is our Savior who bore our sins, and all we want to do is be like Jesus. So the goal is to bear one another's burdens and to build each other up. The goal is to bear one another's burdens and to build each other up until I look like I'm a strong Christian until I talk like I'm a strong Christian until I walk like I'm a strong Christian. We are obligated to the growth and the process of discipleship of the gospel to see people live out the gospel and proclaim it instead of being like Dumbo and saying you have big ears we will let you be a mockery and be like those big elephants that rush to the side of this baby elephant and walked alongside of him and covered him until he will be able to walk for himself. So for you who are strong in here or think you're strong, remember when we were enemies with God, but he welcomed us by love and faith in Jesus. Remember when we had no family to call our own, but he adopted us in the courtroom the adoption courtroom, and welcomed us into his family through the blood of Jesus. Remember how he welcomed us with grace and not condemnation. Remember how God continues to show grace and mercy when we fall right now. Remember, this is what will keep us walking humbly, looking for those whose, burden, whose burdens we are obligated to bear. Remember that when we take of this cup and drink of this, 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 eat this bread, remember what Jesus did for you. What Jesus did for us, and because what Jesus did for me, I want to do it for somebody else. Because Jesus lifted up, there was a song that says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Now saved in my love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Now are you obligated to say, just like you lifted me, God? I want to lift somebody else. That is our Christian duty. That, that is our Christian service. Bless you. That is our obligation to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When nothing else could help, 
God's love lifted me. Now, if you're in here and you're an unbeliever, and you've never experienced the welcoming to the family of, into the family of God, listen to the Holy Spirit right now, drawing you to him. It is God's goodness that leads you to repentance. Allow his love to welcome you into a family of believers and help you grow. Now, for, th- for, for the last part of you who are weak, who feel that you are weak in the faith, if you feel like you've, you've been weak and nobody has come along your side to help you, don't count all Christians out. Forgive us for not being obligated and just talking about your weakness and not helping you become strong. If you're in here and you're weak, I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here and you're weak, there are those who will walk alongside you and help build you up. And even if you need prayer right now, if you're saying, I feel weak and I need somebody to strengthen me, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. I know you, this is not normal for you. But if you feel weak, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. I see you. I see you. I see more hands than I saw in the first service because God wants honesty. Now, now if you keep your hands right up where you are, and this is not to embarrass anybody, but if they're sitting by you, I just want you to pray for them right now that they would be made strong in their faith. Just, just pray right now. If, if, if your neighbor, open your eyes. If your neighbor has their hand up, Just lay your hand on them and start praying for them that they would become strong in their faith right now. Because we who are strong are obligated. We are obligated to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. There's a song that says, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak Say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich for what the Lord has done. Give thanks. As you're praying, as you're praying, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks for He has given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. Yeah, if you know it, sing it. To the Holy One. Give thanks for He has given Jesus Christ His Son. And now, and now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. The Lord has done for us. One more time. And now. And now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done. For us, give thanks. Father, we give you thanks right now for Jesus bearing our burdens, for him being obligated to please you, Father, and going all the way to Calvary, taking the crucifixion and raising from the dead for us, God. We truly give you thanks right now. 
And Father, I pray, Lord God, that as we go out, that we would be obligated to be serve-centered Christians, to build, to bear one another's burdens and build up the fillings of the weak, God. So God, I thank you that you made the weak strong today. I thank you that the strong became stronger. And I pray that the strong will strengthen God. And for those that did not know you, God, I pray that they would respond to your gospel and give their lives to you and trust you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.